The Voice in Your Head One of Joseph's high school friends is in a coma after a tragic accident. Blood donations are helping to keep him alive, so when a blood drive at Joe's school was organized for this young man, I jumped at the chance to donate. My veins don't get along so well with needles, but I've learned to chug water and squeeze fists to make blood draws happen, and I figured I could do the same with a donation. About three hours ahead of time, I started prepping by pouring the liquids down my throat. Once I arrived, I found there was a 45-minute wait because the whole beloved community had shown up to donate, so I waited. Then I went in for about 20 minutes of questioning and pre-testing, and then, at last, it was time. Kylie got me situated, and I looked away as she put the needle in. I gasped. This was not the thin needle they use at blood draws. Did it go in? I asked tearfully. She looked at me sympathetically. It's right next to the vein, she said. I'll need to try again. I forbade her to do that. She pulled out the needle, picked out a bright purple bandage, and spoke sweetly to me. Despite Kylie's kindness, I felt like a failure. I got in my car and stopped to reflect. I decided, no, I don't need to feel bad about this. I did my best. I began to drive home, but despite my earlier decision, I suddenly heard it in my head. The mean voice. The mean voice accompanied me for a long time before I became aware that it was not me. It's remarkably like my father's voice as I was growing up, hypercritical, sarcastic in a scathing and bitter way, and absolutely sure that I'm not good enough. It knows all my insecurities and pokes at all my triggers. It is not my friend. In college, the mean voice really got on a roll. I remember going into a bathroom on campus and combing my hair inside the stall because the mean voice said I was so ugly that people would laugh if I tried to improve my appearance in front of them. One time, my foot slipped on my bike pedal, causing my shin to bleed. Oh, did the mean voice have a heyday on what an idiot I was that time. The mean voice became my constant companion. It got so strong that I became suicidal. I mean, who wants to live with that thing in your head? I began contemplating the ways. Then, by some grace, I came upon an article in a magazine about the life-changing practice of affirmations. I began to incorporate them into my life, including looking in the mirror every morning, right into my eyes, and saying, I love and approve of myself exactly as I am. Slowly but surely, life started to shift. There was one moment on campus, a month or two into my new practice, where I did something really dumb. I can't even remember but what it was, but sure enough, the mean voice jumped right in, pointing out yet again what a moron I was. 
without even any conscious thought, a different voice suddenly spoke over the mean voice, citing, I love and approve of myself exactly as I am. I stopped. What had just happened? I had created a voiceover in my head. I had chosen to go with one thought over another. I started to cry. Maybe I could do life after all. I found meditation in my mid-twenties and learned to be a witness to that voice. We have the choice to feed the good wolf or the bad wolf, and as I stopped giving the mean voice any credence, it got quieter. When my husband, Blue Eyes, came into my life, he helped me even more. Blue Eyes grew up in a family and in a country a good deal less dysfunctional than mine, and as he shared his perspective on me, my actions, my looks, my weight, my everything, at vulnerable moments, I could sometimes hear his voice in my head instead of the mean voice. Now, after 30 years of marriage and a lot, and I do mean a lot, of meditation, reflection, self-study, therapy, and more, the mean voice is practically non-existent. Once every few months or so, when I've done something or see something in myself that I judge harshly, it shows up, just as it did yesterday after the blood drive. All that time and effort they spent on you, wasted, just because you couldn't woman up and let a little needle poke you a second time. What a baby! What a wimp! You didn't help anyone! You didn't help the poor kid! You made everything worse. Even though I immediately recognized the mean voice, it still brought me to tears. It can still have power over me when I'm vulnerable. And I wasn't able to be an impartial witness. It felt so real. So I did the next best thing to witnessing. I called Blue Eyes. If he hadn't answered the phone, I would have called my best friend. I needed another perspective, one that would be loving to me when I couldn't. I was surprised you volunteered at all, yoga mother. You'll notice that I didn't. My veins roll and there's no way I'm letting them stick a thick needle over and over into my arm while they search for a vein. Your veins are really thin and hard to find. You did the right thing. There's no reason to feel bad. And voila, just like that, I forgave myself, replaced the mean voice with blue eyes perspective, and I was back. I listen for the voice in Joseph's head when he thinks or processes out loud. We discuss the voice as well. It's generally kind to him, but it does tend toward anxiety, which is very common in people on the spectrum. We discuss the concept of future tripping, the mind's tendency to catastrophize, the importance of being a witness to the mind, and the transforming practice of discovering that we are not the mind. It's powerful stuff, and I wish I'd had those tools when I was a kid. When Joseph was younger, 
his anxiety was much greater. The autistic brain doesn't have as solid a connection between the rational and primitive parts of the brain, so it's harder for their owners to reason themselves out of perceived danger. Yes, there's a dog running toward me, but its tail is wagging and its ears are up, so it seems friendly. That sort of talk is harder to access. We have spent many years coaching Joseph in just this sort of thing. Look for the evidence. Ask for others' perspectives. Be present in the moment instead of inside the frightened mind. Happily, it seems to have generally worked. Oh, he's still got a mind to deal with, but don't we all? My latest practice, recommended by A Course of Love, is to join head and heart. To let the heart lead but to feel a joining between the two. I love it and feel a deep shift when I practice it. It honors the strengths of both parts of me. Mm -hmm.